Chapter 26 Final Charge Minikin drove his blade into the cold ground. He shivered, assessing the weather beneath the pale, chill sky. The sun still hung over the western horizon, and the breeze gently blew the blood-stained grasses like the sway of falling martyrs. The thunder of hooves had passed. The cavalry of the Knights of the Hawk had reassembled, and now it was time to take count of the dead. The toll was great. The battle had started with few defenders, but had ended with even less. Hundreds of wolves and goblins lay dead, covered in their own blood and gore. Mingled amidst them were two of the Kithkin city guard, a handful of Knights of the Hawk, and at least a hundred ninja from his own clan. Had the fighting continued much longer, they would have all been dead. Meineken thought of his own death. He didn't like to dwell on it, but the past day had definitely stirred the idea more than once. He couldn't help wonder, What would it be like? It would take me away to the heavens. We all know that's a fair place. What about my duty to my clan, though? My duty to Tusakan? I vowed to protect them. Is leaving the world a dishonorable way to escape those vows? He pondered. Master Shadowstar! Called several ninja rushing toward him, and into his thoughtful reflection. The company captain of the knights wants to speak with you. He asked for you by name. He didn't say why, though. Manikin nodded. Lead me. He followed one of the Kithkin ninja to where the Knights of the Hawk Cavalry sat at the south end of the field. He saw, sitting in his saddle still, the company captain. He was a tall man with dark eyes and sharp features. The captain remained in his saddle before Meineken, sitting atop a cream horse, barded with blue and gold armory. Are you the one called Meineken Shatterstar? He asked. Meineken gave a bow. Yes, sir. And your name? The captain smiled and removed his helm from his head, revealing short, dark blonde hair. I'm company captain Van Ledsor, but... Oh, blessed drama, that's a mouthful. Most people simply call me Captain Ledsword. Manikin immediately liked his casual attitude. As much as he liked term, he could be stuffy and formal. This man didn't seem like that at all. We lay forever in your debt, Captain. Though I had faith in his deeds, I didn't know if Commander Gliderans would be able to convince your Grandmaster of our need for help. Yep, the Grandmaster and Commander Gliderlance worked it out and... It seems they were able to spare us, but I don't know how they're faring now. No word has come? Asked Ryuki, joining Meineken at his side. Mm, few things move as fast as we have since we set out. There's not much that could have sent us a message, and I doubt it's on anyone's mind at Grendelon Keep regardless. The captain pushed his blue cloak back, reached to his side, and took something into his hand. Here, look. Captain Ledsword handed Meineken a telescope or spyglass, something of the sort. The Kithkin looked at the instrument for a moment, then placed it to his eye and peered north. There was the usual dusk light. The distance to the keep was a blurry gray. But as he stared, he noticed a dark, wispy cloud hanging above the plains of Cyric. As he watched, though, it swirled and swarmed, not with the winds, but on its own. What is? Is that? began Meineken. What you see here is the largest dragon battle to have ever come to these lands in my knowledge. So, as you can guess, we're eager to get back to hell. But we understand the dragon army is trying to sneak in the back door here. Captain Ledsword turned and skimmed over the battlefield. Was this all of them? Tell me we weren't called away for this paltry band of goblins? 
No, Captain, answered Meineken with assurance. These are just their scouts. Well, peace. We'd best prepare then, said Captain Leadsword, his hand on the hilt of his weapon. If this was the forward scouting party, I can only imagine the number of Dark Knights coming behind them. Do you know their strength? Meineken shook his head. Our sentries who sat by the docks tell us they had 13 ships, but we don't know how many troops. We're familiar with boats, but these are big warships. Galleons, or so I'm told. The captain rubbed his stubbled chin. Then turning, he called out, Lothmere, Southway! Two fair-haired and fair-skinned riders came forward from the ranks. Their ears were slender and long. They were of elven kind and rode atop two blonde elven steeds. Yes, yes sir. sir. They returned. Right south. The Dragon Army's forces won't be far off now. I need to know how many we'll be facing and how far off they are. Then race for the White-Hewn Bridge. We'll meet at its western reach. If we can make it that far before they cut us off. Yes, As you wish, sir. They saluted, and then the two elf riders were off, their fine hair streaming behind them. Meineken watched them go for a moment. The bridge, he said, understanding the captain's words. We also guessed they'd try to cross the White Hune Bridge to make for Lotaria. Chances are good the Dark Elves already gave the Dragon Army that knowledge. If you hadn't brought our company south here, added Captain Leadsword, the Knights of the Hawk would have never noticed their crossing until it was far too late. And unfortunately, the Knights of the Falcon to the southwest are no match on their own. Their might lies upon the sea, their eyes always to the west. Meineken glanced at Ryuki, then looked over to where Hiryoto was being bandaged again. Give us a bit to tend to our wounded, and then we'd better catch up to the rest of our townsfolk. Surely, responded Captain Leadsword. But be quick. Night's coming fast, and so will the Dark Knights. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather not fight in the dark. Prairie dogs have a way of snapping horse legs out here with their little holes if we're not watchful. However, we have to stop the Dragon Army before it reaches the bridge. Or at least destroy enough of them so that the Council's guards at Daltaria can drive their lessened numbers off. Meineken would have rather fought them in the darkness if they had to, but he didn't mention that. Captain Leadsword was ready to use his company as a barrier to stop the Black Division from reaching Daltaria. Light? No light. Meineken would fight if the sun turned magical purple. Once we catch up to them, it'll be slow going, said Master Purplefist. Let's hope the enemy is far enough off that the river and bridge will save us, agreed Captain Leadsword with a nod. I don't like trusting hope, but I'll take what we can get. Meineken looked beyond the captain, staring southward toward his simple and beloved city. Then let the night be our hope, as it has always been. The west was a golden orange and then fiery red before the light was gone. Shadow began to take hold of the world, but the darkness didn't dance alone. The pale moon was its partner. With each hour, it slowly rose from its black seat and stepped out into the sky. Master Dragonfright remained near the Kithkin guard who'd saved his life for a time, before returning to Minakin and Ryuki, walking alongside them. I talks too much. I can't take it anymore. Minakin had already told Ryuki what had happened, and they'd caught up on the short time they'd had apart. They smiled at one another. The citizens had gone nearly nine leagues from Tussacon when Captain Leadsword's elven scouts came riding up to their leader. Meineken and the other masters jogged up to the discussion. We can't outface them, said Captain Leadsword, turning his attention to Meineken as his scouts rode off. They're almost here. 
I'm afraid there's nothing else to do. Manikin nodded, but Hirioto argued. We can't stop now. We have to keep moving. The captain's eyes narrowed. I didn't address you, he said gruffly, and as a question. Manikin filled in the space. These are Masters Dragonfright and Purple Fist. Aye, our scouts give us only minutes. How do you expect to make it to the bridge, Master Dragonfright? Hirioto cast his eyes west, as though he might judge the remaining distance in the darkness. Alright. I can see it's our last option. How do we stand against them now? Master Shadowstar interjected, avoiding the need for Captain Leadsword to continue with his answer. We can't see the Dragon Army yet, but even the moonlight won't give us much time to see them before the attack. I don't want to be taken unaware either. Minikin squeezed his bandage to catch a trickle of blood before he continued. Captain, we don't have many fighters left, but we can take the Black Talon out into the grasses a short way to the north. From there, we can hit their flanks from the darkness. I'm afraid that's all we can offer in our current state. Keen words, said Captain Leadsword. Oh, maybe you should take a few squads of cavalry with you. A flanking maneuver by cavalry will hit harder. Manikin imagined himself sitting atop a horse, then he imagined hiding in the grass and being trampled on by the heavy cavalry. Neither seemed suitable. Manikin looked to Ryuki and Hirioto a moment, and then back, debating himself. You are not ninja, and we are not horsemen. No. I think we'll go alone. In the grass we can remain far quieter and pick several off before they know they're missing numbers. Captain Leadsword didn't waste time arguing. That's your call. Go now. We have a matter of minutes before they come into view, if I guess their speed right. The trio of ninja masters looked to each other for what seemed like the last time, yet again. A shadow shall not fear its death, said Hirioto. They gave final short bows and separated. The masters, and what was left of the ninja and city guard, broke into groups and slid into the plains with a whisper, taking care to remain silent and disturb nothing. Minikin and his ninja had barely enough time to duck down before they heard the Black Dragon Army's foul horns again. They had spotted the Knights of the Hawk. The braying was loud and accompanied by jeers and bellows of the ogres. Minikin held himself back. If he reached his hand out and took a few quiet steps, he could have touched the leg of the Dark Knight in front of him. He saw Captain Leadsword and his knights lower their spears and lances, twinkling silver falling in the moonlight. Then all was silent. What is it that they're waiting for? Asked a ninja behind him, his voice a whisper. The same thing we all wait for. Someone to make the first move. He drew his katana and loosened the scab of dried blood on his shoulder. Now that he was still, pain trembled throughout his body. He hadn't noticed it in a while. He ignored it again. <clears throat> Stay low and keep your footfall soft, commanded Minikin quietly. He felt a strange parallel. Here he was, alone, with an entourage of ninja to protect him. But unlike the treachery on the island, he was driving them into battle on purpose this time. And really, he would have rather not. Then the dragon army suddenly lurched, pitched, and rolled forward, their ogres now shoving to the front. Snarls and grunts filled his ears like bulls. Then proudly, the banners of the Knights of the Hawk blew in the night breeze and their own charge erupted. It was difficult to see or distinguish anything beyond 50 feet or so. Everything outside that was a dark silhouette, dropped against the deep blue sky of night. 
thin mist had begun to hang over the grass, giving the Black Talon Ninja more cover. When the first crash of battle came, he made his move. They crawled silently toward the battle. The ground shook as the ogres tromped and stomped, crashing forward. Minakin frowned as his fingers felt his empty sash. Several ninja had throwing stars still, and quietly rising from the grasses, they threw, felling a few dark knights near the edge. They ducked back down. Had they been seen? But the dark knights didn't notice their numbers diminishing on the flanks. The battle had grown too wild, and the noise wilder. Then an ogre drew near. Minakin held his breath. With astonishing stealth, he and several of the other ninja under his command pounced. Springing through the grass, they drove their blades deep into its legs. Its bellow was stifled by the sound of battle, and the vast creature was dead before anyone was the wiser. Within moments, the Knights of the Hawk had driven deep into the front of the Dragon Army's forces with their first great charge. Many club and axe-wielding ogres were destroyed, and thousands of goblins and dark knights were driven onto the end of their spears. The battle pulsed and swayed as the grasses in breezy autumn. As the Dragon Army's numbers began to thin, Minikin spotted Heriotis' contingent come out for a strike. They moved as a brief flash, and an ogre fell face first. Further off, Minikin knew Ryugi's ninja did the same. An arm of the Knights of the Hawk cavalry wheeled, and Minikin pulled back as a massive cluster of goblins turned to flee. Now broken and divided, their cowardice showed all the more fiercely. They quickly became another easy target for Minikin and his ninja. Soon, they'd killed hundreds of them in the deep grasses of the plains of Zurich, and their bodies became difficult to hide there at the edge of the field with so many. But their wolves were keen of nose. Minikin saw a few turn and race for Master Dragonfright's position. He looked at his own ninja. He couldn't shout or he'd give away their own hiding place. Kiryoto will be ready, he thought. But then an ogre seemed to take notice of the wolves as they ran. The creature turned, and his great spike club raised as the wolves leapt in where Hiriota seemed to be. Another ogre approached, and Minikin's ninja whispered past him to strike their foe. Minikin's vision was blocked, and he had to help deal with the ogre. They slew their foe, and the great monster thumped down into the grasses with many others. Minikin looked back to see the area about Master Dragonfright's ninja seemed to have cleared. He signaled to his own contingent. Let's move to the rear. Crawling at times, and moving low, they kept going. Any who roamed outside of the Dragon Army's main mass were taken down and slain. Those that fled ran right towards Minikin, and now he could see Ryuki's group as well, and both groups took down stragglers and those who were racked by fear in their flight. At last, their admiral must have seen the fruitlessness of their struggle. Black horns were blown. The greater mass of the enemy turned southward again. Go now, shouted Minikin quietly. As fast as they could, they wound around the outer flanks to avoid being in the direct path of the frantic retreat by the Dark Knights as Captain Ledsword's cavalry drove the Dragon Army before them into the darkness. As they went, though, it was clear the Knights of the Hawk had not gone unscathed. Horses and knights, barded and armored in blue and gold, lay dead at every turn. The battle was vicious, and the Dragon Army hadn't given ground lightly. The horns of the Knights of the Hawk blew, and Minikin heard many shouts go up, aching. He stood to see the greater part of the remaining Dark Knights pursued away into the moonlit darkness. We did it! cried Master Purplefist as she strode towards him through the grasses. The Dragon Army forces have been destroyed beyond rallying recovery! Minikin slid his sword back into its scabbard on his back. He still felt surprised they were alive. As he glanced about, Captain Ledsword sat astride his pale horse not far off. They might gather themselves into Soka and return to try again, shouted the captain. But that's doubtful and foolhardy. 
We've destroyed the greater part of what was here. I will send some to harry them on their travels back to the bay, said Master Purplefist, signaling one of their ninja over. Manikin was glad. They'd finally won. Lotari was safe for their part. Fighting the urge to lay down, he started assessing the field behind him. Almost immediately, his eyes drew toward a small gathering, several ninja who'd been a part of Master Dragonfright's entourage. They stood in a circle, staring downward. Amidst them stood the gray-whiskered Kithkengard, leaning on his spear, his face grim. Oh no. Minakin began to run. Master Shadowstar? He was vaguely aware of Ryuki calling out to him as he went. He heard her swift legs coming along behind him, still with a faint limp from the fight with the Dark Elves' leader. Minakin stopped and began to walk maybe twenty feet from the circle. A few of the ninja turned and came to him as Ryuki caught up alongside him. Masters, said one of the Kithkin. Master Dragonfright, he's... He didn't go on. The other cut in as they approached slowly. The wolves came at the gray-bearded Kithkin guard. The one Master Dragonfright owed his life debt. Minakin looked aside to see the very same Kithkin come up to him. His face was filled with lines of sadness. He protected me. He was crushed by the club of the ogre that came. I didn't see it. There was nothing I could do. He saved my life. His life debt has been paid then, said the other ninja quietly. Ryuki bowed her head and put her hand on Monikin's shoulder. There was emotion there. Her hand trembled, and Monikin felt his throat tighten. You know, he did care. In his own way. Manikin pushed a stray lock of his hair from his face, noticing blood on his hand. What's important is that he chose to fulfill his life debt in the end. To the Kithkin guard there. That is something. True. Agreed Ryuki. The god take thee into cool shadow, added Manikin. That which is held by Shroud. He put his fist in his palm and bowed, and the others did likewise, joining him. The Creator turn all evil to good. Shroud, turn foul darkness to shine shadow. Honor to thy family, honor to thy blood. May the God turn all ends to beginnings. May Shroud give all honors to thy family. Peace in thy endless sleep. As the battle passed and Knights of the Hawk began to return from their driving of the Dragon Army forces, a funeral pyre had already been put to fire. Master Dragonfright's body had been carried by the remaining Black Talon Ninja to start it. The Knights of the Hawk had many to honor in their deaths as well, and riders had been sent to halt the Tasakans who'd made their way across the Whitehewn Bridge. When they returned, the warmth of the fire would be needed to keep them safe upon the plains of Sirik with the cold drifting in. Hiriyoto would do one last deed to help them all. They must be tired and hungry, said Ryuki solemnly as the citizens' numbers grew about them. I'm sure they are, but there's not much we can do about that just yet, agreed Minikin. They were safe. Many of the Tasakans cheered and blessed the Knights of the Hawk for their help. Yes, they were weary, but at last they could halt their seemingly never-ending march and rest. In a few moments, Captain Leadsword approached trotting up to them. Master Shadowstar, Master Purple Fist, I came to give my condolences for those lost. As do we, said Ryuki with a hint of a bow. We are forever grateful for your aid. 
The Knights of the Hawk will always be of service to you, said Captain Ledsoy. You halted what would have been a terrible disaster in the history of those golden lands. His gaze strayed south toward Tussacon as if he could see what lay there in the darkness. I also wanted to tell you that we've sent scouts to watch for the Dragon Army's return. I'll send most of the riders back in the morning. I need to give news to the Keep of the victory we've managed. But for tonight, we'll set up camp right here on the field. We've brought tents and supplies to treat the wounded and feed some at least. The majority will have to sleep in the grass about the fire, though. We marched them out before they could gather much. No blankets or food of their own for the most part, said Ryuki. As I said, we'll share what we can, answered Captain Ledsword with a nod. Wynikin glanced around. Most folks seem happy to just be alive after such a tragedy. Master Dragonfright would be glad to know his sacrifice was not in vain, as would Elder Master Deepender. Wynikin and Ryuki stirred the field, looking over what remained. The battle had left its mark on all of them. Many knights had fallen under the heavy assault. The ogres and the dark knights had been well armored and well armed. The goblins' sheer numbers had overwhelmed a large portion of the knights on the southern end of their force before they'd finally fled. But the Black Talon Ninja, though the earlier battles had dwindled their numbers to less than a tenth of their original size, fared best and lost only three. Still, their numbers were small and it would probably be many years before fresh, young warriors of their city could replenish the ninja ranks, and the loss of Herioto still sat heavy on their hearts. When finally Meineken lay down to sleep with only a thin blanket, his thoughts went to Turum. He hoped he was well. The rest was up to him. <laughs>